Welcome everyone to the Lee Schools TV podcast. I'm Adam Wright. Our guest today is Lee Hughes, STEM coordinator for the School District of Lee County. Lee, thank you for joining us. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. So just in case anybody out there doesn't know, STEM is an acronym, stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Yeah, it's been around for quite a while. Yep. Um, as everyone knows, it pretty much starts with our core subjects of Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Mm-hmm. Um, a few decades ago, the E was also referred to as environmental education. So STEM was an opportunity to bring the outdoors indoors, but also engage our students in learning that would go beyond the classroom. And really at its root, that's what STEM's all about. Um, taking students and what they're learning in the classroom and giving them an opportunity to go beyond and show their knowledge on a, another platform. Cool. All right. So you're the STEM coordinator for the district. Yeah, that's correct. What What does that mean? What do you do? What's your role? So uh, it's actually a brand new role here in the school district this year. Um, effective July 1, the school board approved a new position for STEM coordinator for grades K through 12. So in addition to supporting science, teaching, and learning, um, we also have... Um, several other programs that I'm supporting, such as our environmental education program, um, which encompasses some resource teachers, helping teachers. We also have a mosquito education program. There's three teachers from the Mosquito Control District that are Lee County teachers, and they go out into classrooms and deliver programs at various grade levels. Uh, And then I also am involved in our regional science and engineering fairs, Um, So we have science fair and inventors fair as well as an elementary expo. Um, So that's just a taste of some of the things that that we're supporting. And we'll get into some more details about some of those things uh, a little later. But I wanted to kind of jump off with some statistics about STEM and, you know, STEM related fields uh, just to kind of give some people perspective about why this is important and how much of an impact the STEM fields have in our society. So, um, in case you're interested, I pulled some statistics. Um, so STEM jobs are projected to grow 13% between 2017 and 2027. And this is via change the equation. And then, so STEM jobs are growing. Obviously, I mean, technology is improving. Science is getting more advanced. Uh, this is where the job market is is gearing is going towards, mm-hmm. right? And good paying jobs too. Sure. That's, that's the next, next stat. I mean, it makes sense. Science, math, engineering, technology. I mean, it's kind of goes without saying that these are well-paying jobs, but the average median hourly wage for STEM jobs, again, this is according to via, uh, this is a change the equation. The average hourly wage. When I first read this, I was like, I thought it was 38,850 a year salary, but it's $38 and 85 cents an hour. Yeah. So almost STEM, the average hourly wage, almost 40 bucks an hour for a STEM job. Yeah. If you think about it, one of the fastest growing sectors are these technology and STEM mm-hmm. careers. Um, so certainly there are students out there that could be going right from high school into high paying jobs, depending on their career track, mm-hmm. their industry certification, some of these opportunities that they're pursuing. The other thing that's probably mind blowing to think about is uh, a lot of these jobs that students will be filling in the future haven't even been created yet. Um, and part of that is just because the technology and the rapid advancement of technology, um, we're still on the fly creating technology, resources, um, opportunities for employment that are kind of building on those other advancements. So it could be 10, 15, 20 years from now, students are doing jobs that right now they're not necessarily studying about, mm-hmm. but the knowledge and the skill set they'll, they'll obtain over the next uh, five to 10 years will feed right into those sectors. 
Yeah. I mean, like, like software engineering, for example, that wasn't a job 50, 60 years ago. No. And now it's probably one of the fastest growing job markets in the country is software yeah. engineering. Um, so th those are some, those are some good statistics. Now here's some not so good ones. Uh, this is kind of related to where we, as not in Florida, this is the U.S. in general. Um, so this is according to the Pew Research Center. The U.S. placed 38th of 71 countries in this study in math and 24th out of 71 in science. So room for improvement. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I think if you look historically over the timeline, too, we had, you know, back in the 50s and 60s in the Sputnik space race, mm -hmm. you know, there was a strong urgency to compete with other countries on a global scale uh, and on a world class scale. Mm -hmm. And certainly that came through with a lot of advancements in math and science. And, you know, our, our space industry thrived from that. Um, I, I think maybe in some areas we've gotten away from that focus and that emphasis. And certainly what we're trying to do locally here in, in Lee County is give students opportunities to take what they're learning in the classroom and apply that to new settings, to new situations, um, and, and build upon those opportunities to use the technology, the resources to, uh, to compete, you know, and not just compete locally, but also compete against their peers internationally. So a few more statistics. Um... This one's according to the National Math and Science Initiative. Uh, only 36% of all high school grads, this is nationwide, only 36% 36, 36 of all high school grads are ready to take college-level science courses. Mm -hmm. So that sounds kind of low. Um, and this is from the Florida Chamber of Commerce website. So now we're talking Florida. Since 2010, Florida's labor demand in STEM-related fields has increased by more than 63%. It's so just another indication of how quickly this these fields are growing. And currently there are more than 55,000 unfilled STEM jobs in the state of Florida. So what does that tell you? Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, there's also been a lot published on the idea of the STEM pipeline. And so you have a lot of people going into STEM fields, going into STEM endeavors. And then on the back end of that pipeline, um, we only maybe graduate a certain number of you know, students with the degrees to fill those STEM positions. Mm -hmm. So that tells us there's, there's probably a little bit of burnout, you know, with these students or with these career paths. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily overwhelming or too rigorous, but I, I think we have very talented students in Lee County. Um, we have lots of opportunities for students to pursue these opportunities. I think it's just a matter of having the right catalysts in the room and inspiring students to pursue and stick with those pursuits and know that there really is opportunity for those interests to pay off in the long run. And, you know, and this, it's your job to, um, you know, make sure that people are aware of all the different STEM related things that the district offers. And I mean, uh, just kind of creating more awareness about STEM. I know that this is something that I've noticed just over the past few years going on in the school district is, you know, and nationwide too, more of an emphasis on STEM related um, studies and, and job focuses. And uh, I noticed when we, we just did a story recently, um, Dave Alexander went out to Challenger Middle School and, you know, they're teaching kids in middle school how to code. Yeah. And that's something that I never would have imagined when I was in school just a few years ago is kids that that seventh grade I think yeah learning how to code and software programming and everything it's yeah starting at a very young age and that's important it is it is and I think um, 
reflecting on my own career, when I was in high school, it wasn't until a sophomore year that I took my first programming course and, and I stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, you know, took a Pascal programming course, and that led to, to my taking some um, computer competitions. Mm-hmm. You know, I was part of a team that went off to two or three Hewlett Packard coding competitions. Um, but I wouldn't have known about that if it wasn't for my teacher that it motivated me, inspired me to go ahead and pursue that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. Th- the opportunity to have elementary students do robotics and tinker with Legos and Lego robotics, um, middle school students doing code and, and you know, code.org and, and hour of code programs like that. Um, you're exactly right. It's all about awareness. Uh, students are naturally engaged in those types of activities. Um, we all know that students are now born into a technology age. Um, you know, very at a very young age, students can manipulate iPhones, tablets, you know, yeah, what are they, they, they're they generation, generation Z yeah. or the I generation, I generation. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the opportunities are there. It's just, as you said, creating awareness, letting people know, um, where those opportunities exist, how to get more information about those opportunities, but then connecting the dots, making sure that those opportunities are connected to what the students are learning in the classroom and then provide that springboard to go beyond, uh, with those opportunities. So let's talk about those opportunities. What are some programs that you're working on that are offered to students that you are excited about? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, let's start in the classroom sure. because um, in the area of science, we just went through a textbook adoption last year. So at the elementary level, our teachers are using McGraw-Hill Inspire Science uh, to support the learning of those science standards in grades K through five. Um, so. You know, at the elementary level, we want students to be exploring, conducting investigations. Um, you know, we would love to see daily science investigations, and that's really laying the foundation for the science content, the science, um, um, you know, the way scientists actually pursue science and knowledge, and that's really important because scientific method. Yep, scientific yeah. method, but. Um, but the scientific method always isn't a, a recipe or a five-step method that's carried out, you know, in sequence. Sure. Um, sometimes, depending on the problem, depending on the the um, the issues that students are tackling, they might have to invent something or a device or a process before they actually go out and and pursue that that investigation. And then in middle school, uh, we adopted a new series from Pearson, which is called Elevate Science. Um, so teachers are using those resources both digitally um, and with a consumable textbook that the students have access to. Um, and then in high school, we've, um, we have kind of a hybrid approach to our science instruction right now. We have programs that are digital only, so students in middle and high school are using their Chromebooks. And then we also have some of the traditional uh, textbook resources available to our teachers. But the high school teachers are using Discovery Ed, um, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and McGraw-Hill to support the learning of standards. Um, and then the other thing we, as I mentioned earlier, we do, um, we have an environmental education department, which provides a lot of outreach. So our resource teacher and soon to be two helping teachers go out to schools, pick up the students and take them to, to field trips. Um, some of those field trips involve the mud flats. So they go down to the beaches and look at those estuaries and the key organisms and species that are part of that, that ecosystem. Yeah. I went there. Um, when I was yeah, young. <laughs> many of our students yeah. have come out through our system have done these trips, um, and they're important trips because they imprint on students. You know, I I remember some of my earliest field trips in school, going to sites around Boston, Massachusetts when I was growing up, 
And um, th those are long-lasting experiences that really connect what we're learning in the classroom to our local environment. Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking forward to um, other trips, such as our Six Mile Cypress Slough, our Green Bus Recycle It experience. And then I'm, I'm really excited about a new partnership that we're embarking on this year. We have a memorandum of understanding with our Lee County Solid Waste Division. And the Lee Solid Waste is going to provide funding for a helping teacher and a bus driver to do our STEM in Action resource recovery trip. And that's going to be a program this year where fifth grade students have a chance to go visit the Lee Waste facility out on Buckingham Road. Yeah. Um, and then we also have another... Um, long-standing community partner, and that is our Lee County Mosquito Control District. Mm. Uh, for nearly three decades now, the control district has underwritten funds for resource teachers, and those resource teachers go into schools and do real-world applications. So these are investigations, assays that the mosquito control workers themselves do day in and day out to control mosquitoes here in Lee County. But we have teachers that go into our schools in kindergarten, grade 5, grade 7, then high school biology and chemistry. And they work with students to recreate those types of experiences, but also create awareness about how important it is to control uh, mosquitoes mm -hmm. and, and, and how that also reduces disease, the risk of disease, but also improves the livelihood of you yeah. know, our experience here. In they're, the, uh, they're the deadliest animal on the planet, right? Yeah, they're considered to be as yeah. far as how quickly they can spread uh, diseases. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important that we control that and control those mosquitoes in Lee County. So you mentioned something about the green green bus recycling program. What is that? So the green bus is, is, is an outreach program where we go out to the schools at grade three. Um, the green bus will stay at the school for the day. And then we have station activities. And so the students come out and learn about the importance of recycling and, and trying to live sustainably. Mm -hmm. And as the students go through the different stations, they have their, their passport, you know, their recycle it passport. And then we have community members come in with our resource teacher and helping teacher to help man those stations. Mm. And as the students go through it, they, they, uh, we raise their awareness of the importance of recycling, reducing, reusing, mm. um, and also repurposing some of those materials. So do you, do you go out and visit a lot of schools we, and interact with, with students? We do. Yeah. Um, we see students a number of ways. Uh, we see students coming into some of our academic competition programs. Um, we also like to go out to schools to see how well these programs are supporting the teaching and learning that's going on in the classroom. Um, we also, you know, we make requests for our schools to use social media posts to show us what they're doing in and around STEM. Um, and so we have some, some various campaigns that we use to, to uh, share those stories and also share the, uh, the resources that people are using. Like hashtag campaigns or? Yeah, we've had we'll some... Help us get the word out. We can sure. spread it here, yeah. So for our science fairs, we often use the hashtag, uh, hashtag Edison Fairs. Um, this summer, we had teachers come in for a week-long workshop where they were working on learning argument-driven inquiry as a way to transform their laboratory experiences. So we've been asking schools to, to use the hashtag lovely schools, mm -hmm. um, but also when they use those ADI labs in class, we want them to use, uh, they should tag at argument driven and also tag at Edison Fairs to show that they're using those labs to support student inquiry. Have you heard of um, 
I think it's a new campaign or fairly new, at least hashtag she can stem. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. I just was scrolling through Twitter the other day and I came across that and I was like, oh, that's perfect. Something that we could talk about. Sure. Um, I know they have an Instagram and yeah, hashtag she can stem. It's all about, you know, empowering young women who are, might be interested in in STEM fields or maybe who aren't interested to try to get them in because, you know, women are underrepresented in STEM fields. There's a lot more men in STEM fields. So it's all about, yeah, um, raising awareness, highlighting female role models that are in successful in STEM fields. Our uh, regional science and inventors fair program, which is affiliated with uh, the society for science and the public. And that's an organization that puts on the international science fair, as well as a couple other science talent search programs. Um, they've been using the hashtag women in STEM and, um, we're actually really proud of, of our female participants over the last, um, five, six years. We found that about 60% of our participants that go to these regional fairs are female. So the interest is there. Uh, and we're also starting to see that the the female participants are winning at very high levels. Um, I, I I know you've had a chance to meet Dahlia drive, Fort Myers high school student, Mm -hmm. um, Dahlia is a very good example of how when a motivated student wants to learn and push herself into these STEM opportunities uh, and is driven to do so, you can win at very, very high levels. And Dahlia's had a chance to go not only to our regional competition several years in a row, but she's gone on to um, state level competition and won mm-hmm. at very high levels. And then each of the last two years, Dahlia's attended the International Science and Engineering Fair where she's not only won special awards, but she's also won fourth place category awards, which is outstanding for the work she's doing. And was that the one that was in Pittsburgh? There was. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, she, Dolly is an incredible student, senior at Fort Myers High School. Correct. Right? Yeah. I think I'd love to get her on the podcast sometime because she's very interesting and incredibly intelligent. And what do you, can you, I know it had an incredibly long title, but can yeah. you explain as best you can what her project that she did last year was about? Yeah, astronomy related, right? It is. So she was looking to use existing technologies Mm -hmm. to help locate um, objects in space. That's probably the best way to explain it. That's good. Yeah, Um, simple. Nice. So you know we're limited on Earth because we have certain technologies that can only range or look out so far into the atmosphere and into outer space. So she was looking to create some algorithms and code that would then use all that information that's coming in from these various telescope and research locations and then help to better predict or track objects that could be potential uh, collisions Mm -hmm. or on a collision course for things like satellites. Yeah, there's tons tons of junk in space. Not not junk, but there's tons of satellites and other things in space that I was looking at a map um, a couple weeks ago, I think, of all the different satellites in space, and it's inc- there's thousands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, or maybe hundreds. Um, but there's a lot. There's probably even millions. Okay, all right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but it blew my mind just the because it, it showed you like the lines of where all the satellites are, and it just covers. Yeah. The it's just the space outside of Earth. It's yeah. incredible. But I mean, that all sparked with she's she's always had a passion for space and, and outer space and what lies beyond, and she's always been fascinated by NASA. Mm-hmm. And then one summer, she she decided to you know what I'm going to teach myself how to code, and I'm going to use Python. So she went to the bookstore, bought a book, and she's been winning these awards ever since. You know, um, we also have a student that traveled with us to Pittsburgh from Fort Myers High School, Jackson Winhurst. And Jackson's working on a project where he wants to um, improve the irrigation systems. And he's starting small scale. He's looking at his own backyard and having solar panels that power his irrigation system. 
and then have better sensors for detecting when moisture is present or not present. And then, you know, basically controlling the water volume so as not to uh, waste water, rather conserve water. Uh, but he's thinking big scale, mm. and he's thinking that his technology, his research, could have potentials for farming. And so that's something that he he may or may not. We're not sure yet. I haven't I haven't talked to Jackson lately, but uh, he certainly at the end of last year seemed interested in advancing his project this year, and, and we'll see where that goes. Can you talk? So I mean, they get to, they get to go to Pittsburgh. Um, can you talk about the the cool experiences? prizes yeah. that that students can you know win and earn when they take part in you know science fairs the edison fairs yeah i'd love to um, let me start at the elementary level because if you're an elementary student here in lee county um, through our regional stem fairs you have two opportunities to engage in these types of programs um, the first is what we call the suncoast credit union elementary science expo and we're so happy to have suncoast as a, a second year sponsor of this event and it just so happens we host the event at suncoast credit union arena on the campus of florida southwestern state college so we like to joke that suncoast is paying their own rent. <laughs> um, but if you're an elementary student, that's in May. Okay. And that features um, scientific projects. So your classic scientific method where a student has variables, mm -hmm. some of those variables they attempt to control, and then other variables they, they manipulate or independently uh, adjust to see what the effect might mm -hmm. be in their project. Um, so that's a chance for elementary students to go on display their work that they did at a school level, uh, but also keep in mind that the students competed in a school level science fair and then advanced on to the regional elementary expo as a showcase event. Um, just to give you some scale, last year we had 43 schools and 438 students register and participate in our expo. That event's been around for 15 years, and last year was the largest contingent of elementary students we had on display in any year. That's great. Um, the other thing elementary students have an opportunity to do is our Regional Inventors Fair, and that is a K-12 through academic competition program. Um, you're, you're probably familiar with Shark Tank. Yep. Well, in some ways, we've had Shark Tank long before they did. Um, that event's been around for 32 years, and it's sponsored by the Edison Festival of Light. Um, and it, it really promotes Thomas Edison's entrepreneurial spirit and inventiveness, and we see that on display every year. So students at that event can win scholarships to Florida Southwestern State College. Um, they're partial scholarships, but certainly every little As bit. As elementary school students? Yeah, we even have elementary students can win scholarships um, to Hodges University. And the other thing through some of these programs for elementary students is they can win scholarships to go to summer research opportunities. And that's a chance um, where students can go to Florida Southwestern State uh, College if they're an elementary student for two weeks and participate in a research camp, uh, in a STEM camp. And what we like about that is we're giving students another opportunity to hone their skills mm -hmm. and, and get ready for next school year and hopefully their next projects that they'll compete in. Um, and then shifting to our, our secondary school students, um, all students, again, K through 12, can go to our Inventors Fair program. Um, some of the other prizes those students win are sponsored by Sony Electronics, Inc. Um, for 30 years now, Sony has donated all the grand award prizes and category prizes at our fairs. So students win, um, you know, they've won in the past tablets, they've won boom boxes, they've won, um, well, it used to be the, the, the jukes and some of those devices, mm -hmm. similar to like iPods. Yeah. Um, but as those technologies advance, yeah. we're very proud <laughs> of, of the donation that Sony makes. Mm -hmm. um, 
also through the Inventors Fair students, um, like I said, somewhat a shark tank. There's a group of entrepreneurs and investors down in the Naples area, and they have a program called Gator Cage. And from time to time, we have students that have such outstanding projects in our Inventors Fair that they receive a scholarship and opportunity to go down to the Gator Cage program. Um, they support those students with their presentation skills, their marketing skills. And we've even had some students in the past actually go to market with their products and their inventions because those investors in Naples have invested in the students. Uh, can you give us an example? Um, we had a student a number of years ago. Um, he created a skeleton. Um, it, was, it was a mechanical robotic skeleton. And his thought was for troops coming back from the war that maybe had lost some limbs. Um, he took a video game remote control and he simplified the remote control so it could be operated with one hand, but then the skeleton um, would respond to that remote control, and then let's say someone lost a limb, yeah. the skeleton would serve as that additional limb that, the, that the, um, the troops could use to pick up things, you know, write their name on checks or write their name on paperwork. Um, so his, they would it, it would be attached to their body or it would be... Just on the well, he had two prototypes. The okay. one was it would be a, a new limb, and then the other thought he had was if I um, develop this out, it would be for like super strength. <laughs> and so he he had the Superheroes. idea of uh, it would be like this frame that mm -hmm. that either um, a fully able troop could wear or someone who had a disability could wear, oh. and that frame would give them the strength and support they maybe need to now be mobile. Wow, so we had a student. How old was he? Uh, this student at the time was an eighth grader. So he's an eighth grader, and he created this? This is about five years ago. Yeah, we had an eighth grader. So we, have an eight, we had an eighth grader in our district that is already trying to create super soldiers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, they're, they're, they have a lot of ideas, you yeah. know, and they're very motivated to pursue these ideas. And they pay off. So these kids get scholarships or maybe, hey, a big company will buy their idea or something like that. They right? do. And let me speak to one area where they really do pay off. Um, so for 62 years now, we've had our regional science and engineering fair. And from day one, the Kiwanis Club of Fort Myers has been our title sponsor. And the Kiwanis Club raises throughout the year anywhere from seventeen dollars to $22,000. And that money is needed um, and justly used to send all the students to the next level competitions. Mm -hmm. So we have students that compete in our regional science fair, but then go on to the state science fair in Lakeland, Florida. And so we typically bring anywhere from 28 to, to 32 students to that state fair every year. Um, the other thing is students can qualify from our regional fair to go to the International Science Fair, which, as you mentioned, was in Pittsburgh last year. So in May of 2019, um, it looks like we're going to have a, a chance to bring five projects to Phoenix, Arizona, for the 2019 International Science Fair. Um, so you can see how we have a pathway where students are doing research projects at the school level. They can then enter those projects at the regional level with opportunities to advance to state and international competition. Um, and it should be noted that at the international competition, our students are competing against 80 other countries from around the world and 1,900 other pre-collegiate researchers who are displaying their scientific work at the International Science Fair. And they're holding their own. They are. Dolly, Dolly, you said, came in fourth place. Like yeah, that. as I mentioned, we took five students to Pittsburgh. Um, three of those students won awards. Um, we had Dahlia winning a fourth place category award as well as a special award from NASA. 
Um, we also had Mark Leone, who is now enrolled at Estero High School. He's in their dual enrollment program. Uh, compete, he's completing his studies on campus at Florida Gulf Coast University while enrolled at Estero. Um, and the reason he's doing that is he's pursuing more research on the FGCU campus. So Mark has been studying phytoplankton in the Estero Bay area yeah. and he's looking at things like red tide and um and land runoff to see if it's impacting the phytoplankton which is an important food source for that estero bay ecosystem mm -hmm. um, so mark won a fourth place category award mm -hmm. and then luke long is a student at the canterbury school who competes in our regional science mm -hmm. fair he won first place in his category of microbiology last year um, he created an independent fuel cell a microbial fuel cell within a, a planter. So he had a plant on top, and then he had this fuel cell going below that was providing energy for, uh, or I should say, it, the fuel cell was producing energy, which he was trying to study how much and for what reasons is it producing energy. What, what are these trips like for the students that get to go? I mean, so it's a small group, you fly with them to Pittsburgh and they, I'm sure, you know, stay in a hotel together and yeah. eat meals together for a few days. Is they, Do they become a, a tight-knit group? Of they do. Um, and, and these days with students and their cell phones and social media, I mean, they instantly connect with students from all over the world. Uh, I'll give you a sense of a typical trip. Well, a, a typical week, I'll say. Um, we usually leave on a Sunday morning. Unfortunately, the timing of our departure is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to everyone. <laughs> Um, I'm so sure those mothers would be proud. Uh, they are very <laughs> proud. And they're also very happy that we broadcast on our social media platforms um, at Edison Fairs. And we give them a timeline of the things we're doing. So we typically fly out on a Sunday. Um, we check in. They have to set up their projects. And then the international community does a very good job of putting on events to keep the students engaged. And, and so the students get a chance to meet all these students from all over the world through various social activities such as the pin exchange, uh, the opening ceremonies. Um, they have performances. They have uh, musical guests. And the other thing they try to do a really good job of is spotlight whatever city we travel to. Um, so uh, Pittsburgh typically has welcome nights, and we get to go to the Carnegie Science Center. We also go to Heinz Field where they have socials for the, the delegation that's there that week. Um, and then by the time you get into Wednesday, now it's judging day. So the students are engaged in judging all day long on Wednesday. Um, the welcome night is typically that Wednesday night because it's a celebration yeah. of the, Just the judging. Just so the judging, do they set up a table with their project and they have judges come by and they have to answer a bunch of questions about their project basically? Yeah, it, it, it pretty much sounds, you know, what you would expect, yeah. you know, for, for an academic competition or a judging. Um, the students are actually in booths. So think about like a museum. If you go to a museum and there's a display set up, the students have that, that drapery and booth type of setting. There is a small table, and then on that table they, they set up their displays. Some of these students use floor displays, and those displays are, are you know, almost six feet tall. Um, and other students choose to use table displays. What's been interesting over the years is your typical cardboard trifold folder yeah. or, or display is not typical anymore. Really? Um, students are using plexiglass. Students are using PVC piping that they just, you know, quickly uh, erect uh, into a setup display. Um, some students are using those those pop-up banners that you see, you know, at so many sporting events okay. or... or um, um, 
you know, sometimes when you go to the movies and you see the red carpet and you have those backdrops, those mm-hmm. step and repeat banners, we've even seen students print very large posters. So those cardboard trifold, they're just going out of business. Yeah, they're almost prehistoric. <laughs> <laughs> but our students are coming up with new ways. And ultimately what, what the students want to do is tell their story. Mm-hmm. They want to tell their STEM or their science story, um, tell the judges about their research and all the things they've learned, but also the implications their learning has for society in general. Yeah. That's where the importance of what they're doing really comes into it. Yeah, they're helping. You yeah. know, they're helping the scientific community. They're helping our general population. They're trying to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So Wednesday. I know you were going through the week, and I cut you off. But, yeah. So the judging so, is on Wednesday, and then judging's all day Wednesday. Then by Thursday, um, there's some symposia. So students have a chance to actually meet Nobel laureates. Students also have a panel discussion that they attend where former Intel International finalists are there. And these are students who competed at the International Science Fair but then went on into business for themselves. And maybe it was one of their projects became a tech startup or or some type of... um, Uh, environmental science company or a microbiology company, pharmaceutical company. Um, So these students are invited back and they host uh, anywhere from a 60 to a 90 minute panel where our international finalists have a chance to talk with them, ask questions and really get motivated um, by those students and, and the work that they've done and where it's led to. So as we open the podcast, we're talking about opportunities and seizing those opportunities that panel really highlights how students have not only seized the opportunity, but then turn it into a career and, and you know, and a livelihood. Yeah, and these trips are good networking opportunities. Too. Absolutely. This, so this giving these students an experience that they may not otherwise ever have in their, in their lives. Well, and we even notice it at our regional level. Yeah. Um, so when students go into these academic competitions, they're grouped by project category. So you're spending an entire day being judged and certainly you have opportunity to be interviewed by the judges but during that downtime you have a chance to talk to the students that are in your project category find out about their projects how they're pursuing their projects and because these students are working within a certain discipline um, it's really a learning opportunity they learn more about their own projects the way to pursue their knowledge and their and their uh, projects moving forward Um, so it starts at the regional but then they have a chance to kind of refine that at the state level and even go to, you know, to another level once they reach the international fair. So how, well, let me ask you this. So do you see kind of cross generationally? So I, I mean, when I was in middle school, I think that was somewhere around there is when they first started the FCAT science you know, back then it's the FSA now, but back then it was the FCAT. Yeah. So when I was in elementary school, they hadn't even had the science and the you know standardized testing yet. And I remember when when the test came out, I was like, "Oh, we have to do we have to do science yeah. now. This is hard." And um, you know, I was more of a reading writing guy. Uh, do you see more so now today, especially with young students like elementary school students? Do you see them more interested, more engaged in STEM subjects than maybe? students were years ago no i i will say this the 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 advent of state assessment has presented some challenges sure um certainly i think at times that takes the focus off of the enrichment and Mm -hmm. puts the focus on we have to cover these learning standards we have to cover so much content because Mm -hmm. at a certain time in the school year our students will be assessed on that content um 
I, I think the important thing to recognize is our students have always been curious about science and mm -hmm. STEM and, and those types of opportunities because let's face it, it's all around us. Yeah. From the moment you wake up in the morning and step outside, there's opportunities to engage in our environment. And so what's really important is our teachers in our schools, and, and every school has a teacher who's receiving a supplement to be a school-based science fair director or a school academic coach in science and math and some of these STEM fields. So what's really important is those teachers are acting as champions and they're recruiting and motivating students to go into these opportunities or to pursue these opportunities. Um, what we have noticed over the years is you might think of it's the it's the top tier student or it's the overachiever who's pursuing these types of opportunities. And oftentimes it's someone who really gets curious about something that the student has this burning question that they want to answer or pursue or, or find out more about. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the student becomes an expert on just that topic. And, and, and that drives the student to go further and further. And we're privileged to be able to offer the student an opportunity to compete in these events. And when a student is successful and earns these scholarships and earns these awards, um, it's, it's really contagious. Mm -hmm. And the student feels, um, you know, empowered, the student feels rewarded, and it's such a great thing to see. And and if you haven't seen, um, go on our Twitter page at Edison Fairs. We captured videos right after Luke, Mark, and Dahlia won their awards, and just to see the joy and the jubilation and and um, just the the sense of reward that their year long project had been you know recognized and and done so so well. Um, that you know they were really excited about that and it was cool to watch so we talked about the science fairs the inventors fairs that students can get involved in so other than those and other than of course like the stem classes that they take in school what are some other ways that students can get involved in in stem activities other than those yeah we have a lot going on in the community that's not just rooted in the science and inventors fairs um, we have through the chamber of commerce here in lee county we have the stem tour and actually uh it's been around for eight years now this will be the eighth annual stem tour um, and it, the name sounds just like you would think. It's a tour of events around Lee County. So sort of think like the Tour de France. So there are various stages in that race. And as um, you know, the cyclists do better and better with each stage, there's a chance to win a top level prize. Um, so the STEM tour is set up just like that. There's elementary, middle, and high school uh, level activities and teams. Um, those activities are staged throughout the school year at various sites. Uh, as a matter of fact, the next STEM tour event is going to be October 6th at the Village School. Um, that's a blind challenge. So what that means is the school teams at the elementary, middle, and high school level would show up. Um, they'd be presented their challenge for that day. It could be a puzzle. It could be coding. It could be some you know various STEM-related activity. Um, and then if schools do really well at those competitions, they earn points heading into the next stage of the STEM tour. And then that all culminates at the end of the year with the Solar Go-Kart Challenge, which is hosted down at Florida Gulf Coast University. Um, so that's another STEM program in, the, in our community that schools can engage their students with. 
Uh, we also have things statewide like Science Olympiad, Odyssey of the Mind, um, First Robots, uh, First Robotic League is another robot competition league. Um, that's a program where students actually um, will be given a course or be given a map at some point during the school year. And then the, the school teams will work on their robots to see which robot can navigate the map or navigate the course as fast as possible or respond to the challenge that is presented for that year um, as well as possible. Um, so we have several teachers in Lee County. Uh, I can think of a couple over at Cypress Lake Middle School that they actually field robotics teams every year, and those students go on to some of these competitions. Real quick, Team Invictus, you're aware of them? Yeah, I am. The team that started at Fort Myers High School yeah. last year. They went to world the world championship, They did. I think, last they year. Did. Yeah. And, and my understanding is— First year, world championship. Yeah. They didn't win, but they—I mean, just to get there was incredible for their first year as a team. Yeah, and my understanding, their their uh, instructor is Dr. Jesse Bryson, mm -hmm. and, and, and he is working with those students to actually do some pilot programs at elementary school starting in January. And that's where the high school students are going to go and push into the elementary schools and do some after-school clubs. And, and the point of that is to, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, middle schoolers are getting exposed to coding now. Well, we have an opportunity for elementary students to learn about how to build robots from these high school students who are competing at a very high level and doing well. Yeah, that's awesome. So was there anything else? I just Any wanted to, to also mention um, we have a program that's been around a long time. It's a high school program called Envirothon, and Envirothon is, is a forestry competition. So students have a chance to go to the Caloosahatchee Regional Park, um, and there are teachers at the high school level that recruit students to go to that event. And similar to the STEM tour, they go through a series of staged activities. And depending on how well they do at each of those activities, they earn points. And then there are awards handed out at the end of the day. So that's something that's coming up later this school year. And you want to talk about STEMtastic real quick? Absolutely. Um, so... Many people have probably heard and they've seen the STEMtastic event down at the Harborside Convention Center. Um, STEMtastic grew out of the district uh, several years ago. We wanted to showcase all the wonderful STEM things that our students are doing. And the other thing we talked about with STEMtastic is how great it would be to have the middle and high schoolers show the next generation of STEM students uh, all the great things that they can do. And so we we've um, we've strive to set up um, kind of like conference style sessions. And so uh, people come in for STEMtastic, it's a celebration of STEM, and they have an opportunity to walk up to various booths and do make and take activities or interactive activities with the various robots and drones and um, math problems and science problems that our students are pursuing. Yeah, and so I think it's in May uh, actually, STEMtastic has, has typically been in February. February, okay. And we try to tie that in with the Edison Festival of gotcha. Light. Um, it was I, at the school district this past year. Correct. Yeah. This past year, we held the event here at the school district. Um, we don't have the the date or the venue just yet, but I'm sure we'll we'll make those announcements soon. Yeah, stay tuned. Um, so, just real quick before we go, any parents that might be listening, you have any advice to them how they if they're interested in getting their their child more interested in, in STEM, um, what they can do? 
Yeah, I'd say first and foremost, um, talk to your schools. A lot of schools are hosting STEM nights, science nights, and, and find out when schools are offering those types of events. Um, also, find out from uh, their children, their students, you know, when are some of these events coming up. Uh, for the science and inventors fairs, they can certainly go to our website, edisonfairs.org. Um, for other general events, they can go um, search on Google. You can search for the Southwest Florida Chamber uh, or search the STEM tour. All the, all the events associated with that would be on their website. Um, and also search our district website. Uh, our district calendar has many of these events posted to the calendar, so you can see when they're coming up on the school year. Um, but like we said earlier in the podcast, schools have teachers that get su supplemental contracts for some of these programs. And we want to make sure that all schools and all students have the opportunity to pursue uh, these opportunities. Yeah, and just encourage curious minds, right? Yeah, because here's the thing. Um, Oftentimes, the best successes come out of serendipity. And what I mean by that is, is it's okay if your project fails the first time. Mm -hmm. But what's important is how do you get up, dust yourself off, and move forward. And, and one of those um, hashtag campaigns that we saw around last year was fail forward, hashtag fail forward. And the message behind that was, um, and, and we heard this actually really well from some of our international science fair finalists, the first couple times they did projects, the projects didn't go as they planned. Um, they, as a matter of fact, the results weren't as what they predicted. Yeah. You know, but that was really important because then they found out what maybe not to do or how to approach their project in a different light. And over time and with confidence, they grew more and more successful. It wasn't it Thomas Edison who said, um, I'm probably butchering this quote, but something like I, I didn't fail a hundred times. I found a hundred ways that didn't work. Yeah, pretty Cause, much. Because he learned from yeah. that hundred, those hundred failures. I, I think he said, um, I didn't fail 10,000 times. Okay. I found 10,000 things that didn't work. There we go. Right. You know, a much bigger number than I. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's an important message because sometimes, you know, uh, you know, we're not scientists yet. You know, we're not professional scientists. Um, you know, I just maybe it should be known before I be, became an educator, yeah. before I became a STEM coordinator, um, I was a medical technician in a dermatology department. You know, so I had, I had the opportunity after college to work in a medical laboratory for six and a half years. And I really attribute my passion for STEM and science research for that experience. Yeah. Um, but I'd certainly say as a student, as a former STEM student, I didn't know all the ways that scientists use to pursue their, their knowledge and understanding. I really didn't refine that until I went into a laboratory and started doing regular work in the sciences. And so we don't expect our, our junior scientists to be you know, um, scholars at first, but over time with confidence and with practice, they become more and more confident and more and more successful in the ways of STEM. And you were a chemistry teacher, too, at one point, right? I was. I was a chemistry teacher at Cape Coral High School for five years. Um, had the opportunity to teach in the IB program at Cape. Uh, also taught marine science, chemistry, um, physical science courses. And I was very fortunate to have some students that went through our science fair program at Cape High. They went on to compete the regional, state, and we even had a student go on, Kayla Dunn, I remember her name. Um, she went on to Atlanta, Georgia several years ago and competed at the international science fair level. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, no, just really appreciate the yeah. opportunity to, to create more awareness about these STEM opportunities for our students. We certainly want to see our students come out. Um, 
you know, and, and get more engaged in these opportunities. As you mentioned, there's a lot of scholarship, there's prizes, um, and just, you know, the opportunity for students to improve their self-efficacy in STEM fields. What is it, just last thing before we go, what is it about STEM that that drew you to STEM or that you love about STEM that keeps you keeps you moving forward in, in this career of yours? I think it's just my, my initial um, is curiosity, you know, just, just being able to tinker with things, being able to investigate things. I think that's my own, my own um, segue into the STEM fields. And certainly for my new position as STEM coordinator, um, uh, just sharing that same interest with students and knowing that there are very motivated, very inspired students out there. And I, I think I'm driven to make sure that students have these opportunities. So I'd say my, my main focus now is I'm student-centered. I want to make sure um, that our children, and even my own two children who are in the school system, that they have these types of opportunities to um, explore STEM, and not just in the classroom, but beyond the classroom. All right. I think we'll end it with that. Appreciate All it. All right. Lee Hughes, STEM coordinator, School District of Lee County. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you so much. All right. And thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you next time.